Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rural Spark podcast. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. You know, I recently stumbled upon a social media post that talked about a virtual youth hackathon on rural issues. It involved countries that border the North Atlantic and aimed to find innovative solutions to some of the most pressing rural problems. So, of course, we had to find out more. I reached out to the Canadian partner in the hackathon, the Cooperation Council of Ontario, and we're very pleased to have Paula Happenen, the CCO's Director of Innovation, with us today to share the story and some of the intriguing ideas that came out of the hackathon. Paula, you know, we're uh, in early April now and we're all kind of in the middle of this uh, kind of rather stressful race between COVID-19 variants and the vaccines. Uh, a stressful time for sure, and I think it's a good time to have some, you know, more hopeful things to talk about. And, uh, of course, uh, ideas from young people about innovative uh, solutions to rural challenges uh, sounds like a good place to start. And when I came across information on this rural youth hackathon for North Atlantic countries, I think, uh, you know, kind of squeezing all that energy and ideas into a 48-hour period, that sounded pretty cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the hackathon and what its goals are? Well, the hackathon was um, put together, uh, of course, to, to, to respond to these COVID-19, uh, the challenges that it creates, but particularly in rural and northern areas. And this year's hackathon, so it was Think Rural, Think Digital, Think Ahead, focused on two key areas, which were digital health and uh, rural tourism and the recovery of rural tourism. So being that these are you know major motors and major concerns in rural areas, so this was their approach. And what countries are we talking about when we talk about North Atlantic countries? It's not all of them, I guess, that touch the North Atlantic, but there's a handful of countries that are doing right. this together. Right? So we have Greenland, Iceland, Faroe Islands, coastal Norway, the state of Maine and Scotland. And now this year, Ontario as well. So how did you folks, so you folks are the Canadian representation there, and this is your first year. How did you come to be well, involved? Well, that's, it's just an interesting story. My, uh, our executive director, Julian Jeremy, has a lot of contacts internationally, and he happens to have close, close contacts with organizations in Scotland. And one of his contacts said, hey, you know, hi, Julian, we're having, there's a, you know, we're taking part in this particular activity. And, you know, I thought of you, and would you be interested in your organization? Would they be interested? And he said, Absolutely because we do incubation programs and acceleration programs and, and hackathons and, and pitch, pitch events. So this kind of falls right in our alley. So that's how we got involved. And we got involved in a very, we didn't have a lot of time to participate in the organization. I think it was about, I, I hope I'm not exaggerating what I'm saying about a month, maybe not even a month before the hackathon that we got involved. But uh, we came on board as a sponsor and we helped the organization, the organizing committee a little bit. And we um, took part actually in the hackathon as as mentors and facilitators. So, yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty fast and, and quite exciting. I imagine. And, and from your work with this hackathon and other I'm sure you've had other initiatives you've been involved with that have a youth focus. Right. How would you describe what it is that's so special about bringing the youth to these challenges, like on their own, not kind of like mixed in with people who've been at it for decades, right. but just kind of letting them rip on these uh, on these big challenges. What what's special about that? Well, I think we can all agree that as we get older, I don't know if we become more conservative or not, but we have rules in our head, and and young adults and younger people don't necessarily have those rules in their head, and that's the beauty of it. You know, they they I wouldn't say they start from an empty slate. That's not at all the case. But what they do start with is this 
they don't have as many preconceived notions about what's possible. They're also digital natives. If we're talking about the digital aspect of it, that they kind of know what all is possible with modern digital and technological tools, you know, the creation of them. I mean, even if we're talking about really, really young kids, for example, they're studying coding and, and programming in schools now. So the world is their oyster. And I think that a lot of digital natives, uh, you know, the youth that were taking part in this hackathon are a little bit more well-versed about the possibilities. So in that sense. So I think that's what's special about it. And the rules, there aren't a lot of rules. You know, it's, it's you know, hackathons are, are basically crazy, crazy ideas. You know, that's how you're supposed to start. All the advice is, you know, just brainstorm, throw out all these ideas. Don't say, no, no, that's not possible. And they're, they're quite good at that. That's a part of, you know, how we learn. Mm -hmm. nowadays anyway so it's it's you know giving them basically outline the playing field so this is what it is it was digital health or you know rural tourism and say you know you have 48 hours and you know have at it I think that was pretty awesome so even the structure of how they spent those 48 hours they had a lot of control over that too it wasn't absolutely to them okay yeah there was only there were uh, each team was assigned a mentor and there were three check-ins but I think that they were able to decide together you know, collectively when those check-ins would be. Plus they had at least five time zones to work through. So they had to, they really had to get creative about how they were going to spend their time together. So, Right. And has this happened in person in the past? Has it always been a virtual or was that a COVID-19 uh, model? I can't actually answer that question. I don't know. Right. But I do know that there was a Corona challenge last year that was put together, um, a similar concept, you know, that the NORA, the, the North Atlantic uh, Cooperation Organization, lead and the and the highlands and islands enterprise uh, they were the ones who kind of were the lead on that so i'm sure that the organizations they're both very involved in uh, in innovation and economic development so i'm sure some form of pitch event and hackathon they've probably been involved in those in the past tell us about some of the interesting ideas in this year's uh, hackathon that bubbled up to the top well, so I was fortunate enough to to be the facilitator in the tourism jury, jury. So I'll start with that. There were six submissions and they were all very interesting. But, you know, the top three were, you know, were more focused as far as or had a little bit more thought put into the marketability of it and the scalability of the, the idea. So the, the first prize winner was a was a team called Rural Roots. What they did was they were connecting, they had, it was a combination between, let's say, rural communities, let's say a farm and tourism. So what they would do is they would have kind of like a Airbnb experience type of thing where, you know, uh, let's say, and a sustainability viewpoint. That was something that I actually forgot to mention earlier, that one key part was not only, you know, the addressing the questions in digital health and rural tourism, but there was also this idea of sustainable development. And they kept encouraging participants to go back to the UN sustainable development goals to see which ones that they could incorporate in their ideas. So this particular one, it did take some of that into consideration as well. And they were talking about how there was, let's say there was a farmer named Marianne who, who wanted to buy a new windmill or a, some solar panels for her farm and she wanted to finance them. So how could she do that? Well, she would encourage tourists to come and, and stay. And, and But she could also do a variety of merchandising. Like let's say they spin wool. They have, they have sheep on the farm that, that they spin wool and they, they knit jumpers and, and, and so to speak. So you could buy a number of things like buy this jumper for $130 and or, you know, book your stay in advance. And if you book your stay, you'll, you know, get something 
from the farmer in advance like maybe maybe they make jam so they'd send uh, some jam as well but it's it's like so what was it, it was doing was connecting the rural entrepreneur with a tourist who would you know once covid was over could come and stay but could pre-book the visit could pre-purchase some things so getting some money into the hands of that person immediately and that addressed you know like the covid idea that how do we recover currently during COVID, how do we maintain our business in order to be able to thrive afterwards? So that was the first idea, Rural Roots. The second one was Rural Lights that was actually addressing the question of over usage of land. So this was particularly interesting to the judges in Scotland and in, and in Maine because you have land that shouldn't be accessed by wanderers or people who are hiking because of you know whatever um, you know for we, in Scotland we were talking about lambing and so on and so forth so these are kind of like no-go areas and so this was a an app that would show you geographically what areas were not to be you know even though you might have the right to wander so that's you have the right to access that legally but the farmers would request that don't go here in this particular time. You know, they do post signs now. It's a very old school type of way of doing it, but this would enable it to be done electronically or digitally through this app. And what's really interesting about this is it takes the land owner's point of view into consideration. So it's a land use issue, but it's also a tourism issue. So this is marrying these two ideas that normally aren't you know, brought together. Plus it's a data collection tool. So those are the top two mm. from the tourism jury. And then from the digital health jury, you know, the top two, there was the first program uh, or the, the winner that was a, a program called Brent. And Brent is not an acronym for anything. It's actually representative of a, of a Brent goose. <laughs> That's where they got their idea from. But it's an app for people who have irritable bowel syndrome. And when I was first listening to this, I thought, you know, where did that come from? But it actually was actually one of the members of the team has this condition. And basically what it does is it it's a tool that helps the person living with this situation to take care of themselves and be preventative in their care. So for example, it tracks the person's exercise, tracks the person's food consumption, warns them in advance that, hey, if you eat that, you know, you might not feel too well. It connects the patient to a practitioner as well. So a practitioner can connect with them, can also talk to them about this app and help them through because this is a condition that has no cure, but you can make your life significantly more comfortable. And the reason why it's important, also it aggregates the data so that they can then find out this information and make, you know, bigger case studies and help people in a, in a wider right. context as well. But these are all things, access to healthcare in a rural situation mm -hmm. is really challenging. So not only does this, there's this connection with a practitioner, but there's this preventative measure. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that was the similar for the, the, the third place, which was called Freya, which was like an, a virtual midwife. And it follows women who are pregnant and particularly in rural situations and connects them to a clinician and makes sure that, you know, right early on and tracks their, you know, their health and so on and so forth. And Freya, the, the virtual midwife, it, it caught the eye of the judge from Greenland because it's a particularly difficult situation with getting uh, midwifery and, and prenatal care to, to women in rural situations. There were five or six other ideas that were, you know, from in tourism and health, and all of them are marketable. Some were a little bit more developed. You know, it shows perhaps right. the, the level of knowledge that the participants had in their particular areas, but all of them have potential. 
I want to briefly pause here to say a word of thanks to our sponsor, ExploreNet, for supporting the Rural Spark discussion. I think we can all agree that rural areas of Canada should have access to the same amazing internet technologies as our biggest cities. And what's so interesting about ExploreNet, their network is bringing 5G-ready tech to rural Canadians even before it gets delivered to urban areas. You can learn more and check out what ExploreNet services are in your area by visiting ExploreNet.com. That's X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot com. Right. And we did have a Canadian team in the competition, did we not? No, actually, this year we did not have a Canadian team as such, but we did have Canadian participants. So last year in the Corona Challenge, you had teams entering from different countries on their own. But this year, groups were placed according to their profile. So Team Brent in the Digital Health and Team Froyad had participants from Ontario. So we had... Farinaz Falapur from Ontario for the Brent, which was the winning team. And we had uh, Caleb Timmerman on Freya team. We're very pleased to have them. We're so... Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Why, why do you think it makes sense to... Um, sometimes we think of in Canada, we might think of some of those countries as being fairly far away. But what do we share in the, those countries on that list that border the North Atlantic that makes it sense for us to do this kind of thing together? Well, it makes a whole lot of sense. Well, I'm call, you know, I'm talking to the to you today from Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is in northwestern Ontario, and we are quite rural and we're quite northern and and we have many of the similar issues, you know, we have tourism, which is a, you know, one of the economic motors here in in Ontario in northern regions, but that are suffering a little bit, you know, because of Corona, a lot of them have a lot of American guests that come in through the winter and the and the summer, and that's been quite limited. So how do we encourage people to come and visit here, you know, people who are allowed to other Canadians or, or, you know, even other people just from the province of Ontario. So our, our situation is very, very similar. Same as, you know, with the Maine, you know, the state of Maine, their industries are slightly different, but they also deal with the rural issues. And so this is what connects us. So even though we're not technically attached to the North Atlantic specifically, we do share a lot of the similar similar challenges that, that they do. We have far and north, you know, communities that have trouble accessing health care. We have, you know, scarce populations. We have aging populations. So, yeah, a lot very, very similar yeah. Profiles. And as we, you know, even in our podcast, when we look for interesting ideas around rural innovation, um, we've seen a lot, we've had guests from Ireland before, because we do mainly Canada, but we've seen some innovative things there that we want to talk about. And we've seen some things in, in Scotland too, lately that we're interested in following up with. So, um, you know, there's some things there that seem that they would be applicable in some ways to Canada. So I see there are some synergies across across the pond. Absolutely. And and what's interesting is, is that it's a, these are solutions for and by the people living in those communities. So who better to see what's going on? And what what's also actually a very interesting point is, is that I think a lot of the students, and I don't have this 100%, you know, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but a lot of the participants were international students in some way from us. So either North Americans in, in Europe, or uh, we had some students from abroad and from on the, potentially on the Ontario team, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter in what the teams themselves were very international. And what happens is you, you have this this interesting perspectives, like you bring your own, not only your own profile as far as skill sets are concerned, but your own perspectives of things. And that creates new perspectives 
even within a local context. So again, if I, for example, if I take the Brent team, the one that did the winning um, submission for the digital health team, you know, it was Farinas who came up with an idea about a bot, you know, some sort of an automated response to certain things. And then it was one of the other participants who su- suggested, well, why don't we talk about it, you know, this particular ailment, because this is what, I, these are my challenges. And then all of a sudden it came together, but you know, how they put it together from different viewpoints and their experiences with rurality, that was, that was pretty fascinating. Absolutely. Are there any next steps, Paula, that would allow some of these ideas maybe to be further developed or some of these young people with innovative ideas to be engaged in in some kind of continuing way on these? Actually, yes. And um, I'm glad you brought that up because this time around, what we're planning on doing is having an accelerator, a North Atlantic accelerator. So what that means in practice is that, well, where this came out of was a discussion amongst the organizers that we didn't just want to leave it here and wait for next year's hackathon to do something else. We wanted to perhaps encourage these people to develop their ideas further and to connect internationally. So as you mentioned, you know, we're on the lookout for things that can be transposed from one country to another. So that was the viewpoint from Ontario. So maybe it was a, you know, something that was proposed for Scotland, but perhaps we can use it here and we can develop it here. So what's going to happen? We're looking at the end of April, but we're going to be inviting all the participants back and we're going to try and connect them with experts in areas or other organizations that develop businesses, startups in their countries to see if there's a fit and to see if there's, you know, you you probably start with the countries of the team members to see if perhaps, you know, if there was a Norwegian team member from coastal Norway, perhaps there was a Norwegian innovation organization that would help support them. And how would we go about it? You know, so that's happening, hopefully at the end of April to carry on the discussion and to help them develop their ideas further. So those who didn't win are just as welcome to take part and are are just as likely to move forward with their idea because, you know, if they needed help on a, from a marketing perspective, or if they needed help on a on a development perspective, that accelerator hopefully can put them in touch with people that can help them do that. Wonderful. And that gives us something good to follow up with on the podcast, right? And Absolutely. Uh, I think after that happens in April, um, we'll we'll connect with you to see if we might get a couple of the young people on, on the podcast to talk about their ideas a little more. That'd be great. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Paula, for sharing this with us. It's something exciting for us to uh, to look at and to be hopeful about in, in trying times. And uh, as I said, we look forward to following up. So thanks to you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week. The Rural Spark team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabar. Music by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.